think I, I want to start with the with the little story. And uh, um, so it'll it'll relate with the message and what um, I believe God is has really started to open my eyes. Um, you see. For a long, long time now, I just believed that, you know, the church at his coming is going to be that glorious church. And I know we talk about that. And a long time ago, I guess it's somewhere between, you know, maybe as far back as at least 30 years ago. I began to see this about, about the church, about, about us possessing. And living a godly, holy, sin-free life. I've been seeing this for about 30 years. And I believe that's because if... Because last, I just, I mean, it's just amazing what God does. Because he began to show me about, you know, the heritage and what's ours and our inheritance. But then I began to see and understand just a little bit deeper of what that glorious church really is and who we're going to become right before his coming. So I'm going to start with this story. Because it's part of the, the transformation that takes place when we come into the presence of God. And what it's actually happening to us and who we're becoming just because we get in his presence. So one day, I was um, at, uh, at Baptist Hospital. 
and I was working for myself at the time. It was a second job. And I would go in on Saturday, and I would um, work on their machines, do their preventative maintenance and stuff like that, and do their repairs. Well, my, my ritual was that I would, I would come in, and I'm always listening to the Word, to preaching. And I still got old tapes that are, that are 30 years old from my, from my pastor that, that where I walked into this church, and I know you've heard this before, but I walked into this church On May 17, 1992, a drug addict and an alcoholic. And I walked out set free. Just, just by the power of God. Without having the desire to do drugs and alcohol anymore. So that was my journey. That was the beginning of my journey. So I'm, and even now when I still listen to his old tapes, it's like he's talking to you right now. You see, because I realized that when the presence of God and the anointing is on his word, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the anointing is there. The presence of God is there to, to still do his work. So when the anointing's there, the lives are, are being changed and transformed. So I, I go in, I put my tape in, and before it, I get started, the presence of God comes in. And when the presence of God comes in, he starts asking me some questions. And the thing is, is this, is he begins to ask me to believe for people. And what he begins to ask me, I know exactly what he's asking me because he put that in me. And that is to believe for them to be conformed and transformed into the image of Christ Jesus so that they can walk upright and holy and sin free before God. So he's asking me to believe for the, these people to walk and possess life this way. So he begins to ask me about certain people. And I say, yes, 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 yes. And it got to a point where he just kept adding more and more and more. Where to me, it was too much. 
I said, God, I can't believe you for all these folks. And that was the whole conversation. And that was it. Now, Tiffany can testify to this because, because when we got home, the presence of God was still on me. And then that's when we went over to um, our neighbor's house and had um, dinner with them. And Tiffany kept coming around and kept coming around, you know. And then afterwards she said, I can see it. I can see it, you know. And even he said, I can see it. So what I want, I, I want us to understand is that when, we're, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we're not receiving just air. The Holy Spirit is an actual substance. It's a heavenly, he is a heavenly material, just like angels. They're heavenly material. And it's, the, and it's that heavenly material that has come into us to transform us. To change us. How, how do we know that, that this transformation is taking place? Because once, so, so what we have to understand is the life that we live as Christians to the degree that we live a Christian life, a God kind of life, a possessed life by the Spirit is only to the degree that we have allowed God to take control of our lives. And that, and that transformation that has taken place, it's not just in the spirit, it's not just in the air, but this actual substance of God begins to possess our spirits. And as it possesses our spirits, you see, it's by the power of God that we live this Christian life. So therefore, as it begins to, to, to penetrate our lives. Now understand, we walk a Christian life and live a Christian life by the power of God. It's not us. But what we have to understand is this, is the more that you're possessed by God, it is harder for you to sin. 
It is very difficult for you to sin. The more that you're possessed because you're actually possessing more or God is possessing more and more and more of you. You see, my, I'd say my foundational scripture has always been Romans 8, 29. For those who he foreknew, he also predestined for them to become conformed into the image of his son. That's our destiny. To be conformed into the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's always been my foundational scripture. That's our destiny. That is the, the, the church being conformed to the image of Christ at his appearing. But what does that actually mean? That actually means that, that our bodies are being possessed and changed by the presence of God. So therefore, we start walking like God, talking like God, acting like God. But realize that it's just because God is in us. That's the only reason that we do it. So as we're conforming to our God-likeness, The separation between the natural man and the spirit man begins to happen. And we stop living more and, and more, or I should say we stop living less and less from our natural man and start living more and more out of our spirit. Why? Because God cannot sin. God cannot commit a sin. But we can. Every time we commit a sin, it's because we choose to live out of our natural man and stop living out of our spirit man. Every time. So the more that we're, we're possessed and, and we allow God to possess us and take control of us, that sin nature is getting weaker and weaker. And it, is, it should be very difficult for us to want to commit a sin. If it's easy to commit a sin, then we have not possessed enough of God and we have not received enough transformation from God yet. It does not mean that we're going to die and go to hell. 
It just means that you're not allowing God to fill you enough yet. Because if we can act ugly to people, God is not ugly. If we commit any kind of offense other than a righteous offense, it's because we haven't allowed God to possess us. So, let me continue with this story. Because see, that, that substance, that heavenly substance that I'm, that I'm talking about is what we actually have. See, just because we, we, we see or we don't see the Spirit, we don't think of it as a heavenly substance. You see, I believe the reason that Adam and Eve didn't know they were naked is because the heavenly substance of God himself, he is a being. He's not, he's a spiritual being. But just because we don't see him with our natural eyes does not mean that he's not a substance. He's tangible. So that tangible substance of God that was covering Adam and Eve left them. It left them. The presence of God left them. So when the presence of God left them, all they could see, because they were always naked, How is it that they just discovered that? Because that heavenly substance, God himself, was removed from them. And then they could see with their natural eyes. But their eyes were always working fine. They weren't blind. They could see everything. So, how do we obtain that? Only by the Spirit of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at verse 10 through 15, the word says, For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have not we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely 
given to us by God. So we have received the Spirit who is from God that we might know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual appraises all things or discerns, yet he himself is appraised by no one. Meaning a spiritual man is, is hard to understand. Because he'll say things like, like, like Jesus, you know. When they asked him, you know, hey, your, uh, your relatives are at the door. And what does he say? Unless corn falls, I mean, he says something, you know, something like that, you know, unless a, a corn falls into the ground and the stock grows or something, you know, it's like, oh, wait a minute, you know. So what's he saying? He, he, he's saying something spiritual. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 33. Now this is what I've always seen. Now if you recall, God has a purpose. He has a plan. And he's taken us somewhere. God has an end to what he is doing. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wife ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why? That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her 
by the washing of water with the word. Why does he do that? And this is what he's doing to the church. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. All right. Now, this whole time, I've just thought about that as living a sin-free life. But it's more than that. It is a whole lot more than that. The church in all her glory and splendor without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. Who is that? Who is that? That's God himself. That's God himself. That's God himself being spotless and glorious without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. So what's, what's going to happen is God's presence. Now we have, to, we have to understand that it is more than what we're seeing. Let me go back to my story. Because it's the substance. This is what I, I'm, I'm trying to get across. It's the substance of who he is. The actual heavenly material of who he is. When you see the glory of God that, and you see it on somebody, that is the heavenly material of, of God. It's heavenly it's a heavenly substance. So this heavenly substance, as we get into it and it penetrates and it touches our bodies, do you think there's any sickness in God? Any disease in God? So when His substance comes in contact with your earthly body, what do you think is going to happen? It naturally pushes out any kind of sickness or disease that is trying to harm our bodies. Because it's going beyond just our spirit. Now our spirit man is starting to get so full of God that that it penetrates our natural bodies, that naturally we become strong and healed because we're possessing more and more of God's Spirit. we got to look at it as that heavenly material of who He is, not just a, 
an heir. He's not just heir. So anyway, what I didn't know was that I had issues, supposedly, with some arteries or something being clogged. And this was on a Saturday. And Monday, I went to the doctor because they, your insurance requires you to go to the doctor to have this physical checkup so that you could get a decent rate if you check out good. Well, I was 50 years old. And the nurse said, well, you're at that magical age where you get two extra tests. And that was a EKG and had to be scheduled for a colonoscopy. So she brings the EKG machine and hooks me up and, you know, it starts going off and then she takes it and tears it off and goes out and then comes back and then she says, are you in any pain? Immediately she's saying, are you in any pain? I said, no. She said, are you sure you're not in any pain? I said, no, I'm not in any pain. But she says, now I'm not saying you're having a heart attack. She said, but you see this? You see these lines, how they go up like this? She says, you see this very last one down here? She said, you see that going down? She says, it's not supposed to be doing that. So by Friday, she, they scheduled me a, um, an appointment with the cardiologist. So Friday, I show up and uh, immediately he says, are you in any pain? I said, no, I'm not in any pain. Are you sure you're not in any pain? I said, yeah, I'm sure. You know, Elizabeth was right there with me, and he starts talking to her and says, you know, he says, I think this guy would probably, even if he was in pain, he wouldn't tell us he was in pain. And I told him, I said, no. I said, if I was in pain, I'd tell you. So he looks at my shoes. And I got some good tennis shoes on. And immediately he takes me and we go do a stress test. Man, I'm a huffing and puffing. And so what they do is they hook up the EKG machine. Uh, no. So he gave me another EKG. And then after that I went. And then he, they put um, like the sonogram you know, where they're, where they're checking every chamber of the heart. So they check it at rest. They're, they're recording it. And then I get on the treadmill. 
And man, am I huffing and puffing. I mean, just big time, you know. And then after I get done, they take it again. So, so he looks at it and he starts explaining the vows working. And he says, no, he says, you don't have any blockage because if you had any blockage, your vows wouldn't be working this way. He said, but, but the EKG showed that you had blockage. And then these words came out of his mouth. He said, what it looks like is someone just went in there and just cleaned you out. You see, that's what happens to a body that comes in contact with the presence of God. It affects our bodies. And that's why, that's why the word says that bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness profiteth all. And that is a great mystery. Because we choose to live upright and holy before God and live that way, He just takes care of you. I didn't know there was anything going on. But just because He chose to come and allow me to be in His presence, it affected my body, it touched my body. It was that heavenly substance. You see, that's what we're supposed to be possessing. That's where we're going. That is the end church. That's our destiny. That's, what we're, that's who we're going to be at His coming. Because if the Old Testament, when the Israelites left Egypt, the word says there wasn't even a feeble among them when they left. So if that is what's to come, then who are we going to be? We're going to be so full of God. It's not just living a sin-free life. It's actually possessing the heavenly substance. Bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. Think about that. Bone of his bone. That's what he intends for us to be. I'll show you. If we continue right here, it says, So husbands, verse 28, So husbands ought, to love, ought also to love their wives as their own bodies. 
He who loves his wife, his own wife, loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes, just as Christ also does the church. Because we are members of his body. We're actually members of his body. You know, we say we're the body of Christ, but we need to look at it and understand that we are truly members of God himself. And this very next verse, we always use it in marriage. For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great. But I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. The two becoming one flesh. We use that in marriage. We are one. We got to go beyond just words. Because we know all these words that we use like righteousness and, and, and we've belittled the word righteousness because we say, oh, it just means to be in right standing with God. But it means way, way more than that. It's a lot deeper than that. Glory to God. Let's go back to the first chapter in Ephesians. And I'm going to read verse 13 and 14. In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Having also believed, you were sealed with Him, in Him, with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed with the substance of who God is, the heavenly material of who God is. You were sealed. All right? Who? Verse 14 is given as a pledge of our inheritance. A pledge of our inheritance. What is our inheritance? He is. He is our inheritance. All God is, He is our inheritance. His very being, His very nature, His very substance. 
with a view to the redemption of God's own possession. Why? To the praise of his glory. Now, let me read this out of the Amplified. It's just... So what I'm trying to get us to understand is that it is a whole lot more than just words. God is not air. God, we think of spirit, but we don't think of him as being a person, a tangible person, a substance. We don't think of him as that. But he is an actual person an actual heavenly substance that he has deposited in us. In him, you who have heard the word of truth, the glad tithing, gospel of your salvation and have believed in adhered to relied on him were stamped with the seal of the long promised Holy Spirit the Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance the first fruits, the pledge, and foretaste, the down payment on our heritage in acceptance of its full redemption, full redemption, and an acquiring complete possession of it to the praise and of his glory. So as our lives are being being changed and we're possessing all that he is, that's what brings praise and glory to God is a life lived in righteousness and holiness. Hallelujah. 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 
Hallelujah. Glory to my Jesus. Glory to my Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, my Father. Father, I just thank you and I praise you for your presence, for your word, for your spirit, for who you are, God. Help us grasp hold of who you truly are. That we may long for that calling of your spirit that has been calling and calling through the ages. Let us hear Let us be submissive to your calling and be willing to lay down our lives to possess all that you have for us, Father. Continue to open our eyes that we would see. Continue to mold our hearts that they would be willing God, continue to uphold us and deliver us from our own selves. And thank you, Father, that you work all things out for our good because we love you and because you have a purpose for us, God. Help us fulfill it, God. I'm asking you. I'm asking you to strengthen us. To pour out your spirit like you never have before, God. That we will possess all our inheritance. In Jesus' name, amen. I think I, I want to start with the, with the little story. And uh, um, so... It'll, it'll relate with the message and what um, I believe God is, has really started to open my eyes. Um, you see, for a long, long time now, I just believe that, you know, the church at his coming is going to be that glorious church. And I know we talk about that. And a long time ago, 
I guess it's somewhere between, you know, maybe as far back as at least 30 years ago. I began to see this about, about the church, about, about us possessing and living a godly, holy, sin-free life. I've been seeing this for about 30 years. And I believe that's because if, because last, I, I just, I mean, it's just amazing what God does. Because he began to show me about, you know, the heritage and what's ours and our inheritance. But then I began to see and understand just a little bit deeper of what that glorious church really is and who we're going to become right before his coming. So I'm going to start with this story because it's part of the the transformation that takes place when we come into the presence of God and what it's actually happening to us and who we're becoming just because we get in His presence. So one day, I was um, at, uh, at Baptist Hospital, and I was working for myself at the time. It was a second job, and I would go in on Saturday, and I would... Um, work on their machines, do their preventative maintenance and stuff like that, and do their repairs. Well, my my ritual was that I would I would come in, and I'm always listening to the word, to preaching, and I still got old tapes that are that are thirty years old. From my, from my pastor, that that where I walked into this church, and I know y'all have heard this before, but I walked into this church 
On May 17, 1992, a drug addict and an alcoholic. And I walked out set free. Just, just by the power of God. Without having the desire to do drugs and alcohol anymore. So that was my journey. That was the beginning of my journey. So I'm... And even now, when I still listen to his old tapes, it's like he's talking to you right now. You see, because I realized that when the presence of God and the anointing is on his word, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the anointing is there. The presence of God is there to, to still do his work. So when the anointing's there, the lives are, are being changed and transformed. So I, I go in, I put my tape in, and before it, I get started, the presence of God comes in. And when the presence of God comes in, he starts asking me some questions. And the thing is, is this, is he begins to ask me to believe for people. And what he begins to ask me, I know exactly what he's asking me because he put that in me. And that is to believe for them to be conformed and transformed into the image of Christ Jesus so that they can walk upright and holy and sin free before God. So he's asking me to believe for the, these people to walk and possess life this way. So he begins to ask me about certain people. And I say, yes, yes, yes. Yes. And it got to a point where he just kept adding more and more and more. Where to me, it was too much. I said, God, I can't believe you for all these folks. And that was the whole conversation. And that was it. Now, Tiffany can testify to this because, because when we got home, the presence of God was still on me. And then that's when we went over to um, our neighbor's house and had um, dinner with them. And Tiffany kept coming around and kept coming around, you know. And then afterwards, she said, I can see it. I can see it, you know. And even he said, I can see it. So what I want, I, I want us to understand is that when, we're, when we receive the Holy Spirit, 
We're not receiving just air. The Holy Spirit is an actual substance. It's a heavenly, he is a heavenly material just like angels. They're heavenly material. And it's, the, and it's that heavenly material that has come into us to transform us. To change us. How, how do we know that, that this transformation is taking place? Because once, so, so what we have to understand is the life that we live as Christians to the degree that we live a Christian life, a God kind of life, a possessed life by the Spirit is only to the degree that we have allowed God to take control of our lives. And that, and that transformation that has taken place, it's not just in the spirit, it's not just in the air, but this actual substance of God begins to possess our spirits. And as it possesses our spirits, you see, it's by the power of God that we live this Christian life. So therefore, as it begins to, to, to penetrate our lives. Now understand we walk a Christian life and live a Christian life by the power of God. It's not us. But what we have to understand is this. Is the more that you're possessed by God. It is harder for you to sin. It is very difficult for you to sin. The more that you're possessed because you're actually possessing more or God is possessing more and more and more of you. You see, my... I'd say my foundational scripture has always been Romans 8, 29. For those who he foreknew, he also predestined for them to become conformed into the image of his son. That's our destiny. To be conformed into the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's always been my foundational scripture. That's our destiny. That is the, the, the church being conformed to the image of Christ. 
at his appearing. But what does that actually mean? That actually means that, that our bodies are being possessed and changed by the presence of God. So therefore, we start walking like God, talking like God, acting like God. But realize that it's just because God is in us. That's the only reason that we do it. So as we're conforming to our God-likeness, the separation between the natural man and the spirit man begins to happen. And we stop living more and, and more, or I should say we stop living less and less from our natural man and start living more and more out of our spirit. Why? Because God cannot sin. God cannot commit a sin. But we can. Every time we commit a sin, it's because we choose to live out of our natural man and stop living out of our spirit man. Every time. So the more that we're, we're possessed and, and we allow God to possess us and take control of us, that sin nature is getting weaker and weaker. And it, is, it should be very difficult for us to want to commit a sin. If it's easy to commit a sin, then we have not possessed enough of God and we have not received enough transformation from God yet. It does not mean that we're going to die and go to hell. It just means that you're not allowing God to fill you enough yet. Because if we can act ugly to people, God is not ugly. If we commit any kind of offense other than a righteous offense, it's because we haven't allowed God to possess us. So, let me continue with this story. Because see, that, that substance, that heavenly substance that I'm, that I'm talking about, is what we actually have. See, just because we, we, we see or we don't see the Spirit, we don't think of it as a heavenly substance. You see, I believe the reason that Adam and Eve didn't know they were naked is because 
the heavenly substance of God himself. He is a being. He's not. He's a spiritual being. But just because we don't see him with our natural eyes does not mean that he's not a substance. He's tangible. So that tangible substance of God that was covering Adam and Eve left him. It left him. The presence of God left them. So when the presence of God left them, all they could see, because they were always naked, How is it that they just discovered that? Because that heavenly substance, God himself, was removed from them. And then they could see with their natural eyes. But their eyes were always working fine. They weren't blind. They could see everything. So, how do we obtain that? Only by the Spirit of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at verse 10 through 15, the word says, For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have not we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God. So we have received the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual appraises all things or discerns. Yet he himself is appraised by no one. Meaning a spiritual man is, is hard to understand. 
because he'll say things like, like, like Jesus, you know. When they asked him, you know, hey, your, uh, your relatives are at the door. And what does he say? Unless corn falls, uh, I mean, he says something, you know, something like that, you know, unless a, a corn falls into the ground and the stock grows or something, you know, it's like, oh, wait a minute, you know. So what's he saying? He, he, he's saying something spiritual. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 33. Now this is what I've always seen. Now if you recall, God has a purpose. He has a plan. And he's taken us somewhere. God has an end to what he is doing. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wife ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why? That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Why does he do that? And this is what he's doing to the church. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. All right. Now, this whole time, I've just thought about that as living a sin-free life. But it's more than that. It is a whole lot more than that. The church in all her glory and splendor without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. Who is that? Who is that? That's God himself. 
That's God himself. That's God himself being spotless and glorious without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. So what's, what's going to happen is God's presence. Now we have to, we have to understand that it is more than what we're seeing. Let me go back to my story. Because it's the substance. This is what I'm, I'm trying to get across. It's the substance of who he is. The actual heavenly material of who he is. When you see the glory of God that, and you see it on somebody, that is the heavenly material of, of God. It's heavenly. It's a heavenly substance. So this heavenly substance, as we get into it and it penetrates and it touches our bodies, do you think there's any sickness in God? Any disease in God? So when His substance comes in contact with your earthly body, what do you think is going to happen? It naturally pushes out any kind of sickness or disease that is trying to harm our bodies. Because it's going beyond just our spirit. Now our spirit man is starting to get so full of God that, that it penetrates our natural bodies. That naturally we become strong and healed. Because we're possessing more and more of God's spirit. We got to look at it as that heavenly material of who he is, not just a, an air. It, he's not just air. So anyway, what I didn't know was that I had issues, supposedly, with some arteries or something being clogged. And this was on a Saturday. And Monday I went to the doctor because they, the, your insurance requires you to go to the doctor to have this physical checkup so that you could get a decent rate if you check out good. Well, I was 50 years old. And the nurse said, well, you're at that magical age where you get two extra tests. And that was a EKG and had to be scheduled for a colonoscopy. So she brings the EKG machine and hooks me up and, you know, it starts 
going off. And then she takes it and tears it off and goes out and then comes back. And then she says, are you in any pain? Immediately she's saying, are you in any pain? I said, no. She said, are you sure you're not in any pain? I said, no, I'm not in any pain. But she says, now I'm not saying you're having a heart attack. She said, but you see this? You see these lines, how they go up like this? She says, you see this very last one down here? She said, you see that going down? She says, it's not supposed to be doing that. So by Friday, she, they scheduled me a, um, an appointment with the cardiologist. So Friday... I show up, and uh, immediately he says, are you in any pain? I said, no, I'm not in any pain. Are you sure you're not in any pain? I said, yeah, I'm sure. You know, Elizabeth was right there with me, and he starts talking to her and says, you know, he says, I think this guy would probably, even if he was in pain, he wouldn't tell us he was in pain. And I told him, I said, no. I said, if I was in pain, I'd tell you. So he looks at my shoes, and I got some good tennis shoes on, and immediately he takes me, and we go do a stress test. Man, I'm a huffing and puffing. And so what they do is they hook up the EKG machine. Uh, no. So he gave me another EKG, and then after that I went, and then he, they put um, like the sonogram, you know, where they're, where they're checking every chamber of the heart. So they check it at rest. They're, they're recording it. And then I get on the treadmill, and man, am I huffing and puffing. I mean, just big time, you know. And then after I get done, they take it again. So, so he looks at it and he starts explaining the vowels working. And he says, no, he says, you don't have any blockage because if you had any blockage, your vows wouldn't be working this way. He said, but, but the EKG showed that you had blockage. And then these words came out of his mouth. He said, what it looks like is someone just went in there and just cleaned you out. You see, that's what happens to a body that comes in contact with the presence of God. 
It affects our bodies. And that's why, that's why the word says that bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness profiteth all. And that is a great mystery. Because we choose to live upright and holy before God and live that way, he just takes care of you. I didn't know there was anything going on. But just because he chose to come and allow me to be in his presence, it affected my body. It touched my body. It was that heavenly substance. You see, that's what we're supposed to be possessing. That's where we're going. That is the end church. That's our destiny. That's, what we're, that's who we're going to be at His coming. Because if the Old Testament, when the Israelites left Egypt, the word says there wasn't even a feeble among them when they left. So if that is what's to come, then who are we going to be? We're going to be so full of God. It's not just living a sin-free life. It's actually possessing the heavenly substance. Bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. Think about that. Bone of his bone. That's what he intends for us to be. I'll show you. If we continue right here, it says, So husbands, verse 28, So husbands ought, to love, ought also to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his, wife, his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes, just as Christ also does the church. Because we are members of his body. We're actually members of his body. You know, we say we're the body of Christ, but we need to look at it and understand that we are truly members of God himself. And this very next verse, we always use it in marriage. For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, 
but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. The two becoming one flesh. We use that in marriage. We are one. We got to go beyond just words. Because we know all these words that we use like righteousness and, and, and we've belittled the word righteousness because we say, oh, it just means to be in right standing with God. But it means way, way more than that. It's a lot deeper than that. Glory to God. Let's go back to the first chapter in Ephesians. And I'm going to read verse 13 and 14. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed with him, in him, with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed with the substance of who God is, the heavenly material of who God is. You were sealed. All right? Who? Verse 14. Is given as a pledge of our inheritance. A pledge of our inheritance. What is our inheritance? He is. He is our inheritance. All God is. He is our inheritance. His very being. His very nature. His very substance. With a view to the redemption of God's own possession. Why? To the praise of His glory. Now, let me read this out of the Amplified. It's just... So what I'm trying to get us to understand... Is that it is a whole lot more than just words. God is not air. God, we think of spirit, but we don't think of Him as being a person, a tangible person. A substance. We don't think of him as that.
but he is an actual person, an actual heavenly substance that he has deposited in us. In him, you who have heard the word of truth, the glad tithing, gospel of your salvation, and have believed in, adhered to, relied on him, were stamped with the seal of the long-promised Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance, the first fruits, the pledge and foretaste, the down payment on our heritage in acceptance of its full redemption, full redemption. And an acquiring complete possession of it to the praise and of his glory. So as our lives are being, being changed and we're possessing all that he is. That's what brings praise and glory to God. Is a life lived in righteousness and holiness. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to my Jesus. Glory to my Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, my Father. Father, I just thank you and I praise you for your presence, for your word, for your spirit, for who you are, God. Help us grasp hold of who you truly are. That we may long for that calling of your spirit that has been calling and calling through the ages. Let us hear. Let us be submissive to your calling. And be willing to lay down our lives 
to possess all that you have for us, Father. Continue to open our eyes that we would see. Continue to mold our hearts that they would be willing. God, continue to uphold us and deliver us from our own selves. And thank you, Father, that you work all things out for our good because we love you and because you have a purpose for us, God. Help us fulfill it, God. I'm asking you. I'm asking you to strengthen us to pour out your spirit like you never have before, God. That we will possess all our inheritance. In Jesus' name. Amen.